1: of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill
2: Hi, welcome to the Caught Between Generations radio show that aims to help make life easier with expert conversations and resources for parents and caregivers of multiple generations. Oh, my name is Deanna, and I am sitting in for Dr. Merrill Griff, who is out on vacation. She'll be back next week, and if you'd like to surprise her, you could send her a quick email at drmerrill.com at caughtbetweengenerations.com, and tell her what you're enjoying about the show. Uh, And something else you could tell her is what your favorite cookie is, because don't tell her that I told you, but cookies are her thing. And if you have a bakery that you love to visit, you could let her know, because Dr. Griff travels a good amount, and I'm sure she'd love to visit and enjoy your your favorite cookie at your favorite place. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so enough about cookies. Um, Let's talk about today's show. It's for parents, maybe grandparents, and maybe all of us. And so what we are talking about is what you can do to raise connected yet resilient children. And our guest today is Dr. Jennifer Freed and Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, and they will give us tips and encouragement to help our teens and children grow into healthy and strong adults. And so our first guest is Dr. Jennifer Freed. She is the author of the AHA Method book, Socially and Emotionally Intelligent Approach to Working with Teenagers. Dr. Jennifer Freed is an author, speaker, trainer, consultant, and radio personality, and is, no, and is a known expert on parenting teens, mother, daughter approaches, social and emotional learning, bullying, and strategies for creating peaceful campuses nationally. She is the co-author of the highly successful AHA Teen program called the Peace EQ, a web application, and she's won numerous awards. She's been a guest on Good Morning America, Mm -hmm. National Public Radio, USA Today, and she currently hosts the popular radio program Freed Up on Voice America. Welcome, Dr. Freed.
3: Thank you for having me. What an exciting introduction. I felt important for a second.
2: (laughs) You are important. Thank you for coming. And, you know, before we even start, I know I said that was enough about cookies, but... Did you hear that Meryl loves cookies?
3: I heard that. <laughs> Do you have, have a favorite cookie? I'm not such a cookie person, to be honest, but I love pie. <laughs> Yeah, well, you pie is okay.
2: Maybe you could let Meryl know what your favorite pie is. I thought it would be really fun to share our favorite cookies, and maybe Meryl could go visit different bakeries and special cookie places as she travels. But if you have a favorite pie and you want to let her know where that might be, you could always let her know. Peach maybe pie. she could do that. Peach pie. Peach pie. All right. Peach, Peach pie. pie sounds really good. That's a summer pie. That is so good right now. All right. So let's get started. Um, Let's talk about how teens are developing connections with adults, because that's really important today, especially in a world where parents and teens are often immersed in social media. How are you seeing connections to parents and adults develop in the current culture?
3: Well, it depends the intentionality of the adult because they aren't organically developing because most of teens' attention is to social media and to peer group, And naturally, with the teen's brain development, they should be thinking outside their families in terms of making their launch into their next step of life, which is being independent. However, teens do best when they have really strong mentors and guides as adults. But that takes adults that have the time, availability are not on their screens themselves all the time to actually have meaningful Mm -hmm. conversations and mentorship. Mm -hmm. So when
2: you say adults, are you talking somebody other than the parents
3: can have meaningful... No, No, I'm saying that every teenager should have a village of adults and their parent or parents to turn to, to have great, meaningful discussions about what's happening in their lives and in the world but so often adults and parents are caught up in their own social media habits or their own work demands that so few times do teenagers and adults hang out just to hang out.
2: mm mm-hmm. You know, I agree. I, I think that that across the board is a problem for everybody. And so um, in, in your work. How have you, have you been able to help parents um, see that that's a problem and then do something about that?
3: Well, in the AHA program which we created, we have a one-adult-to-every-seven-teenagers ratio, and we work constantly on role modeling with teens and participating with teens as adults that are learners as well instead of a hierarchical or superiority model. And then what happens is the teenagers begin to see that adults are human beings and not just objects for their consumption needs. And they translated that into starting to see their parents and ask their parents, how can I help you? What's your day like? What are you struggling with? What can we talk about where we both have a point of view that can be respected and listened to? And then we also work with the parents once a quarter, and we put them through the same curriculum as the teenagers so that they learn how to listen deeply and with empathy and take time to actually have more meaningful conversations. So are these parents,
2: parents in the school that signed up for your program?
3: These are volunteer parents that are parents that have youth that come to our after-school program for social-emotional learning. This is an after-school
2: program.
3: Well, we have in-school, after-school, and summer, but the parent Mm -hmm. groups are pulled from the youth that are in our after-school and summer.
2: Okay, so I'm a parent, and can we do a little possibly role modeling? Because that's a really interesting program. What would you? Yes. How would you walk me through that, as a parent well, right now, who's who's not really connecting, who wants to connect with my child? How would you walk me through that? Begin to walk me through that.
3: Well, there's a really simple exercise we ask all parents to do um, at mealtime. And that is just pick a talking piece. It could be a stone. It could be a pen. It doesn't matter what it is. And you begin with a thorn and a rose. A thorn is something that didn't go so well in the day. And a rose is something that did. Each person at the table reports their thorn and rose. No interrupting. The only people talking are the ones with the talking piece. And then you go from there to a meaningful question. And the meaningful question might be something like, what stopped you today from all from being all you could be and each person uh-huh. takes a turn answering that another question could be what do you think is a personality trait that you would like to improve on in yourself and each person answers that question because deep conversations happen when we're not talking at people but when mm-hmm. we're sharing from our most vulnerable and truthful self so I would say to you as a parent to have this talking circle at least once a week, if not twice a week, so that there's uninterrupted thoughtful communication.
2: I love that. And so it's not that you have to sit down every night and say, okay, this is when we're doing this thorn in the rose conversation, because that sounds a little like I'm telling you what you have to do versus what you said the adults, and the adults are also learners. And we're going to make this more relaxed. We're going to sit down together and be vulnerable. Is that what I'm hearing?
3: Yeah. And at first, the adults go first, the parents. And over time, then you ask your children for them to come up with the questions they want answered. So it becomes a collaborative family time together where everybody's learning about one another, which makes the unit much stronger.
2: Okay, I really like that. Thank you for walking me through that. Thank you. Sure. All right, so um, what behaviors do you see from children that would signal us that they're not getting that connection that we're talking about creating um, that would clue us in as parents that we need more of a connection?
3: Well, the biggest symptom to me for everyone right now, not just the children but the adults too, is what I call disassociation media obsession. So we've lost what's called high-touch time, which is just looking at each other and talking face-to-face. Most people are distracted. So a big symptom is if people are not feeling what they feel but blocking it with habits or substances instead of feeling. So we know that we're all okay when we can feel sad when we're sad, we can feel mad when we're mad, we can feel scared when we're scared, etc., and be able to share that live and real with another human being that's right in front of you. You all should be worried, including you and everybody listening, when you can't know what you feel anymore because you're too distracted, too busy, too out of your body.
2: Wow, that's, I think that's really important when we don't know what we feel because we're too distracted. Yeah,
3: and most people are multitasking. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners right now are listening and doing other things. So we have become much more distracted, much more fragmented, and what we lose is the preciousness of our sensuality and our animal body and our intuition and our gut sense of things because we're really all over the place
2: would you suggest that we disconnect from social media altogether? How, how do we disconnect no, so that we can no. connect? I, no, I, no, I didn't think so. Yeah, I don't
3: think we can but, go backwards. <laughs> no, I think that we all need to be intentional in our connections, but I think mm-hmm. it would be super healthy for every family to have no social media like between 6 and 8 at night. You know, mm-hmm. just a time in the day where everybody's inhabiting the household without being plugged in.
2: Yeah, and that would give families that time to have dinner together, to ask those questions that you talked about, the rose and the thorn questions, and then have that meaningful conversation that you talked about as well, if you have that no plugged-in time between 6 and
3: 8. Yeah, and even reading a book in the living room together as opposed to looking at the TV or a screen next to each other. Because the screen, we know for a fact, isn't the best help for our brain function and for our intimacy with others. So we just want to slow things down and have time for people to reflect and to be with one another in a much more receptive way instead of a passive, zoned-out way.
2: Okay, Jennifer. Well, we're going to give everybody a break. And we're going to let them think about that. We're going to let that sink in. And we'll be right back. We're talking to Dr. Jennifer Fried, author of AHA Method Book and the founder of AHA Teen Program. We'll be right back.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Sarah Care. We provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain in involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how SarahCare can help or visit us on the web at SarahCare.com. That's S A R A H care.com.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Hi, my name's Deanna. I'm filling in for Dr. Merrill Griff today, who's out on vacation. And if you heard me earlier, I was saying that you could email her at Merrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Tell her what you're enjoying about the show. And then something else I think it would be fun if everybody could send in their favorite cookie. Not actually send in the cookie, but let her know what your favorite cookie is and um, tell her where you get it. And maybe she'll go visit your favorite place. And right now we're talking to Dr. Jennifer Freed, author of AHA Method book. And we're talking about how to develop strong connections with our children and how we can help our children also build relationships with young people and their peers. And so welcome back, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. We've been having a great conversation about social media and um, diving deep and taking a break from social media so that we can reconnect with our loved ones and our children the way that we emotionally need to connect with each other because we don't connect on screens. We connect through our hearts and through relationship with each other. And so I think that that's a lot for us to, to process. So we're going to go another direction and we're going to talk about how children can build relationships with other young children or other children. And, um, can you help us with that? And can you tell me yeah. how? Okay, great. And so can you tell me what are the challenges in peer relationships that young people have?
3: Well, the biggest challenge in peer relationships is that people tend to see each other as objects instead of subjects. So when you're in a classroom where you're all facing forward and you're listening to the teacher trying to grasp the academic lessons, you don't necessarily know the person next to you. In fact, you're put into a competition at an early age to do well, and it's against one another. It's not just for your own accomplishment. But what we've noticed and found, and research has proven this, that the best way for young people to connect to one another is to know each other's stories, to know where do you live, who do you live with, what do you care about, Who cares about you? What are your values? What matters most to you? What do you think about when you go to sleep at night? What kinds of foods do you like to eat? When we know each other's stories, we actually begin a very strong attachment to another person, and we can't other them in the same way you can when they're just a body in a classroom and you make up a lot of assumptions about them, but you don't know them. So, A big study has proven the only way to break down prejudice, which is such a huge topic in our country right now, Mm -hmm. is to actually know somebody's personal story and to actually hear it from them, not about them. So that's how kids connect. Once we know each other, we have ways to care about each other, and that is contagious. That is contagious.
2: How do we go about doing that is that something that we need to have teachers doing or is that where
3: does that start well it it starts with parents caring very deeply that children see beyond the veneer or the image or the persona of people and learn to ask questions about people that are respectful and caring so parents start with just the assumption that everybody deserves respect Everybody Mm -hmm. has a story you don't know about. And our job as a family is to become really loving anthropologists and find out about our neighbors and find out about the people that you are in school with. Find out about your teachers even. They're human beings too. And Mm -hmm. then in our AHA program, we do curriculum that involves people's stories in the classroom, and it's very effective. So we think it should be part of school curriculum from zero to twelve that people actually start to know each other and know who they go to school with.
2: You know, I think that's really wise because even as I think about my own neighborhood, there's so many people in my neighborhood that I don't know. And it wasn't like that when I was growing up. And when I was a kid, all the neighbors knew me. They all knew my name. I knew most of their names. (laughs) But today I think about how many neighbors I don't know. I know their face. I might smile at them, but I don't know their stories. And so I think you're reminding me as the parent of my children, or especially my 10-year-old child, that I myself am not doing that. And so if I'm not doing that, how is he going to do that?
3: Exactly. And what most people don't realize is that our strongest sense of protection is a profound sense of connection. Our strongest sense of protection is our profound sense of connection. If I'm connected to you, I am more likely to care about you. If I do not know you, we are more likely to fear each other. And this particular moment in history in our country is just filled with virulent fear of one another. And it really doesn't need to be that way. I agree. And, you know,
2: I think you've said that statement twice. The strongest sense of protection is our strongest sense. Say it again, because I don't know if I just said it right. Our strongest
3: protection is our profound sense of connection. I love that. That could could sit with me for a while.
2: Okay, so, (laughs) but we have to keep moving on, right? We can't just sit there on that, but we could. We could sit there. I think you're giving us a lot of things to think about. Um, And so I think what you're talking about, too, is wrapped in your AHA method is um, you're teaching us, you're teaching parents, teachers, teens, young people, really about emotional intelligence. Am I correct?
3: Yes. And I also want to say I've authored a book recently called Peace Q. P E A C E Q that you can get Mm -hmm. on Amazon, that really goes even further into what all your listeners can do to have peace within, peace between each other, and peace among us. So I think that's also another tip I would give is that it's so important that we cultivate a sense of calmness inside ourselves, that that is the origin of our work with other people of our connection with other people we can't really go into the world angry, irritated, impatient and expect our lives to go well.
2: Mhm. I agree. Thank you for that. I, I know that we're going to check that out. Your peace cue on Amazon along yes. with your aha method book. Yeah. And we just have we have a few more minutes. Um and so along with what you're teaching with the peace and the emotional intelligence Um, We know that resilience is important, and so can you tell us uh, what resilience is and then what it looks like in young people and how we can help them develop that?
3: Well, resilience is all of our capacities to rebound from setbacks, failures, disappointments. It's the capacity in each human being to rise up out of the ashes and to learn from our mistakes or our pain and then become stronger. And everybody has that innate capacity. And the most important thing for parents to do is never do something for their child their child could do for themselves on a routine basis. So how we build resilient children is we believe in their strengths and their capacities, and we don't rescue them from necessary pain. We actually congratulate them for having a mistake or a failure or a rejection because it's part of life, no one avoids it, and it's much more how you get back up than what happened to you. Uh,
2: so, wouldn't it be nice if we all congratulated each other for for failures, for real? I mean, I, I think that would yeah. be that's not that's not our culture.
3: That's not yeah. what we do. And yet, <laughs> and yet, any great biography of any person that's made any kind of real impact in history contains. Endless experiments and failures. Because the only truly great contributors know that you have to fail fast, fail upward, keep going. Safety and looking good and making sure you ace every test is a prescription for mediocrity. Hmm.
2: So good. And that is so true. So we're gonna we're teaching our children that it's okay to fail fast. and that we want them to get up again. So yeah. that's what it is. That's what teaches resilience, encouraging them to fail, but getting back up.
3: Yeah, like take the, take the bold risk. We're not saying go fail and be lazy. We're saying try <laughs> something hard. Go at it. You know, give it mm-hmm. your all. And if it doesn't work out, yay for you, because that's a muscle you're building about perseverance and about dedication and determination. Go for it. Instead mm-hmm. of like, Just try to fit in, keep your head above water, you know, go with the flow of everyone else. No, stand out. Stand out because you've tried something unique and, you know, something that really reflects your particular gift.
2: Mm, And if you've built those emotional connections with others who know your story and they see what's happening that you've tried and that you've fallen and you've gotten back up, they're going to encourage you and lift you back up. Am I right?
3: Completely. I mean, that's my life story. I'm just so out there trying new things and creating books and doing this. And I've got a whole cadre of friends and mentors and colleagues who are just, yay, you go, girl, and something doesn't work out. Oh, well. hmm Oh, well. Because that's yeah. that's all we can do.
2: We try and we get back exactly. up.
3: Yeah. Exactly. So we
2: all need that. You know what? I think what you told us today is that we all need to build connections. That we all need to take a break, and regroup, and build these connections with each other. We need to teach our children how to build connections again. We need to teach our children how to be vulnerable. Um, that we need um, to protect each other through each other through knowing each other's stories, and create that sense of connection. And. Um, You taught us that we can try and we can fail and that we can rise up. And I think you taught us that we can do all of this together, that we're not doing it alone, that we do it, that our children can do it, and then together that we can be a stronger um, society, we can have stronger families and stronger children. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap it up today?
3: Well, I would like to encourage parents listening to the show to adapt one of the most single important skills of this particular time period, which is admit when you're wrong and repair your mistakes. The biggest transformation in our society will occur when people have the courage to say, that was on me, I didn't do that well, and how can I make it up to you? That's what I would like to leave with your listeners because I'm sorry is not an action of remorse. Actually asking somebody, what can I do to make it up to you, is the key to repairing relationships. Thank
2: you for that, Jennifer. Okay. Well, let us know where we can find you online and where we can find your books again. Remind our listeners. Okay.
3: You can find me at jenniferfreedmyname.com. And mm-hmm. lots of articles there, and books you can um, click on there, and then all my books—I have like six or seven books on Amazon.com under Jennifer Freed. All right, thank you so much. And I'd thank love you to for hear from people. Not, yeah. I don't need to know your favorite cookie, but I'd love to hear <laughs> your favorite story with getting success and breakthrough with your child. Right, thank you. And you know what? If we get those stories as well,
2: we're going to send them your way. Because I know this was a very meaningful conversation. Uh, Thank you so much for everything that you shared today. So we're looking forward to hearing those stories.
3: And thanks for your gracious and very expert question asking. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.
4: options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness
0: where's your dad what's he doing If he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, you'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep
1: up? Are you finding your frequency? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Opinions,
4: options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Hi, my name is Deanna, and I'm sitting in for Dr. Merrill Griff, who is out on vacation this week. She'll be back next week, and we're taking emails, and if you'd like to email, her email is drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com, and we'd love to hear what you are enjoying about the show, either today or one of our past shows. And so today, we're talking about how to encourage and help our teens and children grow into healthy and strong adults. And we're getting ready to talk with Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. She has been supporting families and children for over 15 years with her work as a registered psychologist and founder of the Wishing Star Developmental Clinic. And in her first book, Discipline Without Damage, How to Get Your Kids to Behave Without Messing Them Up, Dr. Vanessa offers a discipline approach centered around connection and compassion. And that's what we've been talking about today. So I just wanted to read something from Dr. LaPointe's website, and here's what she says. She says, Hi, I'm Dr. Vanessa. My passion in life is to change the conversation about how we make the world go round for all the kids we are growing up. I want kids to grow up in the best possible way. I want parents, teachers, caregivers, and other big people to know they are the child's answer. I want the mysteries of brain development and the complexity of a child's needs to be totally conquerable. I want your kids to know that you've got this. And I want you to know that it's going to be okay. My guiding mantra is to see it, feel it, and be it. The idea is that there is no magic expert way of getting it right for our children. That step-by-step guide or guaranteed strategy a magic solution for a given situation doesn't exist, and anybody who tells you different is selling you a line. And so thank you, Dr. Lapointe, for reminding us that we don't need a magic solution, but we need encouragement and guidance that'll let us know that it's going to be okay. Welcome, mm-hmm. Dr. Lapointe. Thank <laughs> I you love very that. Much. <laughs> Welcome, thank you. That was wonderful. Is that your, that's your philosophy. Oh, yeah. We need to know that we've got this. Wonderful. We need to know, we need to hear that more often as parents, caregivers, teachers, and other big
5: people. We need to hear that more often. (laughs) I think we do. I think we get very quickly overwhelmed by this sea of information available to to us in terms of how to do right by our kids, and we can become really invested in trying to know all of that information and put it all into practice to the extent that it overwhelms and fatigues us, and then our children pick up on that. And when our children pick up on the fact that we're feeling overwhelmed and fatigued, it doesn't bring them to a place of rest from which development can then play out. It actually uh, brings them to a place of alarm and um, can get in the way of development, and so a lot of being a really capable, capable, competent, big person for your child is just to kind of come alongside and step intuitively into what nature intended for you as the adult and also what nature intended for your child. Hmm.
2: And I think what I just heard you said is there's so much information out there today on parenting. I can go online and I can fill up my brain in... An hour so full of strategies and tips and so many things that I could learn so quickly. Mm. And sometimes you, what I'm hearing is that's not what you need, that you need an intuitive understanding of your child.
5: Yes, and lots of times I'm, you know, hear myself saying to parents and teachers and other big people that really sometimes it's just. Uh, comes to the point where we need to put down the books and we need to put down Dr. Google and we need to step into <laughs> the space between us and that child and really experience them and experience the world alongside them uh, so that we can um, sort of awaken to what it is that they need and how we can support them in that.
2: Mm, so as we're talking about connection and building resilience and connection and in growing up our children to be healthy children and adults, we're talking so much about um, connection and slowing down in what you just said, experiencing life with them.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And yeah. we know, you know, so much about the development of the human brain and um, how us as a social species needs to be uh, front and center in terms of uh, how we come alongside our children and understand what it is that they need from us. Um, The human baby, you can water it and clothe it and feed it, but if you do not love it, it will die. That is how central the need for connection is to healthy growth and development. Mm. Yes, that is so good. And
2: it's heartbreaking really um, thinking about that, that we don't, you know, that's, We don't all get that equally, and Mm -hmm. although it would be nice, we don't always get that equally, and so what I heard um, from the first guest is that we, in some ways, can mentor other children, if we're a teacher or caregiver, and that we can help them develop some of those healthy uh, connections, and so but the best case scenario. And for the people listening and the grandparents listening, we know that they want to do the best job that they can in developing their children. And so as we're talking about your book and we're talking about discipline without damage, um, can you talk about that and talk about what are some of the traditional ways that we think of discipline in children and then how your method is different?
5: Traditionally, when we have approached um the world of discipline the uh end goal has been to eradicate the problematic behaviors. So if you have a child who's hitting their sibling or a child who's talking back to you or a child who's not, you know, listening to something that you want for them to do, um, you want to change that behavior. And the problem is that when we focus only on the external, only on the changing of the behavior, it can lead us down this path that actually starts to interrupt healthy child development. And so going back to this idea that connection is so central to healthy development what happened is that the discipline approaches begin to play upon that truth and because children need connection, if the connection gets interrupted, they're going to be very driven to have the connection restored, right? So enter for example Mm -hmm. the classic timeout. You send your child away from you which introduces both a physical and usually an emotional disconnect from you. And then very magically, the child begins to listen or begin to be- begins to behave because they want to restore that emotional and physical connection back to you. And the adult might look in on that and think, oh, terrific. We changed the behavior. We win, right? The problem is mm-hmm. that it came at a cost. You just messaged your child uh, and said to them through that action that Um, I love you, but it is conditional. You may have access to me because we know that you need this in order to survive, but your access to me is going to be conditional. On whether or not you're behaving, and so these traditional approaches to discipline—timeouts, um, consequences, where we, you know, play something that we know the child uh, holds as important or value—against them, removal of privileges, even the star chart, because the CD, the CD underbelly to rewards and star charts is the not reward, or <laughs> the not star chart. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're all a consequence in some way, shape, or form, and all of them involve emotional. Um, or other forms of disconnection when we know what children really need is connectivity. Um, and again, if that happens over and over, day in and day out, uh, it becomes this enormous sacrificial play where you are, in the name of good behavior, interrupting a core need of healthy child development. Mm. You,
2: you, you made me think of something that I've never thought of, Hmm. Especially when it comes to time out. So, usually you think, okay, time out. Like, it, we have a okay, we have a new puppy at my house. Just uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm I'm sort of relating. I'm relating because in some ways, you know, there's there's some sure. and it, it's totally not the same. But in some ways, I think about discipline and training with a puppy, and you know, you reward them for the good behavior and you the bad behavior. And but then I think of my kids and how. I tried to do timeout when they were younger, and certain children it worked, Other, and, and really it was the more compliant child that it worked, um, and then the other child it didn't so much. But it's really interesting, because if I would have thought of it the way that you just described it, that it's con- it's showing that my love is conditional, I'm not so sure that I would have done it, mm. really.
5: Yeah, and yet we you know, whole generations of parents have been led down the path of um, getting stuck only on looking at the external. And it's, you know, it's very rewarding to us as adults mm-hmm. when we want to shut a behavior down and we land on a mm-hmm. strategy that does that um, lickety-split. We, like, we're probably going to continue doing that if we do not understand what it is that's happening, um, you know, underneath the surface. And that was um, my whole goal when I say that I want to change the conversation. I really do mean like I I would love for us to find ourselves um, on a societal level at a time and a place where we really can look in upon children and converse about children in a way that that, um, understands the science of child development and the centrality of relationship and connection to all of that um, playing out in the way that nature intended. Mm,
2: and that is so good. And so you're saying that it's, it's not through rewards and star charts that they find that connection.
5: No, in fact, quite the opposite. Rewards and star charts often lead to disconnection. Uh, if you don't get a star on the chart, it becomes the not star chart, right? If you don't get the reward, it becomes the not reward, which um, are essentially a consequence and consequences create emotional separation.
2: Well, Vanessa, that was so helpful, and you've already given us so much to think about. Um, I think we're going to get ready to take a break, Vanessa. So um, we are talking with Vanessa LaPointe, author, psychologist, founder of the Wishing Star Developmental Clinic, and the author of Discipline Without Damage, and we'll be right back.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Sarah Care. We provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain in involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at SarahCare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H Care.com
4: Opinions Options Answers You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness
2: Hi, this is Deanna, and I'm filling in for Dr. Meryl Griff today, and I know that she wishes she could be with you and that she could be sitting here and talking with you, but we've been having a wonderful conversation. And so Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, uh, author of Discipline Without Damage, has been talking to us about connecting with our children, uh, really getting to know our children, and she's coming back to finish the conversation. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you. Welcome back. And so we ended our conversation really on rewards uh, don't necessarily connect us to our children. Or, um, but we were talking about how rewards don't necessarily connect our children to us. And Vanessa, I know that you said that you really um, have a guiding mantra. And so I can you tell me how what your mantra is the see it, feel it, be it, and then how that connects to what we're talking about with children.
5: Mm -hmm. So part of coming alongside parents and other adults and championing them to be the kind of big people that the children they are growing up really need is to really walk adults into their own intuition about the child's um, needs and experiences in the world. And so I write about there's kind of three different layers that we have to take on. And the biggest sort of most um, general of those layers, which is the first lens through which we must press everything as we work to understand um, the children in our care is this guiding mantra. And the mantra is see it, then feel it, then be it. And the reason that I um, came up with that mantra is because historically we've gotten stuck at see it if you go into most of the parenting literature on um, the market a lot of it is about uh, uh, behavior on the surface and so the child is doing a then you must do B the child is you know um, talking back then they need uh, some kind of a consequence you want your child to do their chores then they, you know this is the, the magic three-step strategy for making all of that happen. All of those things stop at the external. They stop at the see it part of things. And rather than stopping there, what we need to do is climb in behind what we can see on the outside and and get into the internal workings of the child's soul and the child's mind and really begin to feel for them what is happening in that moment. I often, when I'm presenting at workshops to different groups of um, parents or teachers, I will uh, liken it to by using the example of if you were to go home this evening and your doorbell was to ring and you were to open the front door and on your front step was your best friend crying inconsolably with grief, do you need to retreat to your living room to find the self-help book that you've just purchased to look up the three-step strategy for how you're going to comfort your grieving friend on your front porch? Or, as a human being with a soul, are you going to step over um, the threshold of your home and in whatever way is comfortable to you, uh, throw your arms around that friend and haul them inside and put on the kettle and make copious amounts of tea and like, figure out what's happening. Right? If you Mm -hmm. were to go back to your living room and get that that book and start to mechanically carry out those three steps, do you think your friend's going to stay very long on your porch looking for your comfort or is your friend going to start to wonder like, what is wrong with you, (laughs) that you got to go to a (laughs) book to figure this out, right? And the the bottom line is our children are exactly the same. And so with see it, feel it, then be it, if you can quickly on the outside see what's happening, then immediately get behind that, begin to feel what's going on for the child in that moment. You don't need any other strategy. You will then be for them what they need you to be in the moment just as you will be for that grieving friend, what they needed you to be in the moment. And I know this to be true because you are a human being and the children you are growing up are human beings. And we all have souls at play in this. And if we can just kind of get um, in touch with that side of what it is that's happening, you will you will naturally flow into the moment in the way that, that um, was exactly needed by that child. See it, feel it, be it.
2: Oh, so I'm thinking my child had a meltdown and he's 10. He has meltdowns because he has autism. And so we deal with a lot of meltdowns and it's summer. (laughs) So there you go. So summer is a lot different for us than during the school year. And then I've been talking with other moms who you know, maybe their child doesn't have um, the same condition that my son has, but they're still having a lot of behavior things and meltdowns and and so all of that. And so what, you're, what you just said is um, that when that happens, when my son had that meltdown the other day, that I didn't have to, uh, that I could actually feel it. I could feel what he was feeling, maybe not understand it. Maybe I don't have mm-hmm. to make sense of it the way that he does, but I can feel his, um, his upset. And then how do I be it? Because I get the first two steps, but explain to me, how do I be it? Is that that I'm just
5: being there for him? Well, let's take the example of a child uh, who's having a meltdown in the grocery store lineup. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so you're standing there, and because some evil person decided to put all of the candy bars at child eye level (laughs) in the grocery store checkout lineup, you you end up with the child who's you know already tired from having had to go grocery shopping, which no child in all the land ever enjoyed, and now they're standing at Mm -hmm. the checkout line with all of their resources already used up from having had to survive the grocery trip, uh, and now they're getting a big fat no. In, in response to asking for the candy bar, and so then the meltdown happens. Now, the traditional way of just seeing it would be, this is unacceptable behavior, you must stop immediately, no more chocolate bars for you ever again, you know, these kinds of things, because you'd be <laughs> wanting to shut that They're meltdown, all mine. Right? <laughs> right. So you, you can't have, have them anymore. They're away. all mine. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, uh, what we need to then do is very quickly go to this space of feeling it and, and if you as a human being can find inside of you for your child, uh, whether they have a developmental exceptionality like autism or they're a highly sensitive child or they're a child who's just going along in life and hit a speed bump at that particular moment, if you can connect with this um, kernel of compassion inside of you and think, oh my goodness like what a stressful m- you are so upset, this is so undoing to you, if you can find that kind of place inside of you to be feeling for the child, what they must be feeling themselves in that moment, you will find that it will bubble out of you, an empathic kind of um, responding where you would approach the child who's, you know, now laying on the ground uh, in the grocery store, line up with, uh, I don't know, 30 pairs of eyes staring at them, uh, <laughs> and you would think, my oh, goodness, like this child needs to be shielded. This child must just be so uh, so undone, that they'll be going to these extremes in front of all of these people. You know, like, if you can get there, you're going to behave as you interact with that child in a really naturally empathic way um, that might have everybody else in the grocery store thinking, what? Like, Are you really going to let him get away with that? Uh, But the reality is you're not here in the service of all those people. You're here in the service of that child. And as your empathic response flows forward from you, which is the be it part, you will, as a human being with a soul, respond to that child's need. And that's that's the be it part.
2: Oh, I like that. So... Do we actually say to them, I'm, I understand, I, I would feel the same way when they're laying Absolutely. on the floor and they're kicking? Or is it just we do say it, it's okay to say it?
5: it is okay to say it and, and, and it's also okay to not say it if that's what's natural to you in terms of being empathic in your um, responding um, lots of times uh, people will think oh I need to be very calm if my child's losing it um, and truth you should not you know, begin to lose it yourself and get all dysregulated yourself because you're only going to lead your child to be more and more dysregulated if that's how you manage it in the moment but in your responding by saying I understand I'd feel the same way as you. Be uh, passionate about that responding. You have a child who's losing their ever-loving mind, right? And so if you're like, I think I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would feel the same way if, you, if I was in your position. They're just going to think that you're trying to add another strategy on them. And so let it come oh. out of you like the human being you are. Oh, you know what, Vanessa?
2: You have given us... So much to think about and such wonderful tips. Thank you for just explaining how we can be empathetic with our children, how we can climb in behind them and then help them be healthier children and more connected children. Is how, where can we find you online and where
5: can we find your book online? So my book is available um, on Amazon or anywhere that uh, books are sold, in fact. And you can find me online at drvanissalapointe.com.
2: Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Caught Between Generations. Again, my name is Deanna. I'm filling in for Dr. Merrill Griff, and I am so glad that you joined us. Please remember to send Dr. Merrill an email at Merrill at and tell her what you enjoyed about the show. I think we learned a lot today. And as Dr. Merrill always says, do one thing for yourself this week, and I'm going to add and eat that cookie. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Cut Between Generations with Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.